everybody. We are Run the Real featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we're dragging this review to you guys. Ooh, yes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Hopefully not across uh, concrete, but uh, across the <laughs> airwaves. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. If something, if it's been dragged across concrete, then we know something's gone wrong. Yeah, something's gone wrong, which, yeah, dragged across concrete is uh, what we watched. This was a, your, um, like, treat yourself, wasn't it, TV? Yep, that's right. That's what I picked to to treat myself to that. A movie that I bought probably about a year ago. <laughs> I haven't watched yet, so I was like, you know what? It's time. Tell us a, a little bit about it. I'm a, I'm kind of a fan of this director. I'll throw that out there right away. I've liked his last two movies, and that's why I just kind of bought this on a whim. I was like, surely this is good. And also, it was like seven bucks, so. Old S. Craig Zala. Yep, yep. Wow. How did you get this movie for seven bucks after it like it just came out <laughs> i don't know <laughs> he's just that good he's got a nose for the deal that's right maybe i maybe i ordered on amazon i don't remember maybe i did get a good deal on it but yeah i like this guy so i figured i'd buy it um it's basically it's about uh two overzealous cops who get suspended from the force and they must delve into the criminal underworld to get their proper compensation Ooh, nice description. Thank you. Straight from IMDb. You know what that compensation is? Cold hard cash. Wrong. It's a sandwich from the uh, convenience store across where they (laughs) are hanging out. That's the compensation. We do get a very graphic scene of Vince Vaughn eating said sandwich. (laughs) That is true. Man, it really made me want a sandwich. You know, before we get too deep, though, you know, too deep into these very important plot points, maybe we should warn the listeners <laughs> that this will be full of spoilers, so beware. I will rate each sandwich that Vince Vaughn <laughs> eats. <laughs> yes. So if you don't want any other sandwich spoilers, then you better watch the movie or come back. Tune in next week for our sandwich commentary track. <laughs> where, where we eat sandwiches as we watch the movie. It'll be a long one. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> yeah. We'll all have our uh, cameras on, too. Just <laughs> nominal away. You can just watch us as we silently just stare ahead and eat a sandwich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll zoom in on each bite and then do a cut to our facial expressions <laughs> so you know exactly how we think about it. Ah. We could have the like Amazon watch party and you could join us with your sandwich, you know? Ooh. Yeah, just chow down on the mic. That's a good idea. You know, bringing us back, I guess. <laughs> what did you guys think about Dragged Across Concrete? Man, I've had a great time. I had a blast. <laughs> I'll just throw it out there now. I'll show my hand. It was like watching Gosford Park. I don't know what my love of exposition is, but I could just sit and watch people talk for hours. <laughs> you know, it kind of is, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, a lot of talking, very slow. You're not. That's a kind of a very interesting comparison, but not necessarily far off. I'll, I'll tease some of my opinions and say I like watching people talk and give exposition, but there's a certain way you you should probably go about it. But I know we've had this discussion before with one of this guy's previous movies. You might know him 
from Bone Tomahawk. Ah, yeah. Ooh. What a lovely movie. We were pretty divided on that one back in the day, too. I remember being so excited to show you guys that. And then, yeah, turns out. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I was the only one who was enjoying that one, it seemed. (laughs) It had its moments, but. It was also his first big movie, too, so. The idea was cool, but I did not like the way it went about it. But for Dragged Across Concrete, man, I just gotta say, this was a very uncomfortable movie for me to watch. I did not feel very comfortable or enjoy watching this one at all. I'll just say it out here. It was like, I don't know. Like, some of the subject matter this covers, like, it doesn't make a, like, point about it i guess it kind of just shows you stuff that's happening and basically you have the two main characters are cops and they have to resort to crime to like get money because they're in financial uh, difficulties at the time yeah they got suspended from the force Uh, because they're crooked cops yeah just the way like some of this happens it was very uncomfortable subject matter for me especially considering a lot of the stuff that's happened this year yeah for sure i was kind of like while i was watching it so i had that reaction too mike yeah and i feel like this this movie's two hours and 40 minutes long pretty much it's a long movie i feel like they could have cut out half the movie how dare you? <laughs> like, uh, obviously, I think we're going to be uh, back and forth about some of this here, but there's just, just the teaser for Mike <laughs> there. I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, I think I, I felt that same way, too, because they bring up a lot of kind of weird stuff like that. But I, yeah, I think the, the key is that I don't think he's actually like necessarily trying to make a point about it. I think he is just like, this is like conversations I could see these characters having, you know, like it does feel like. It fits, but it's just, yeah, stuff that maybe I don't necessarily agree with what they're saying, you know what I mean? But I can still un- see them saying it. Yeah, that's that's what I was saying. They don't really make a point, but they, like, show it to you, and it's up in your face, and it's uncomfortable. I kind of liked that, though. Like, it happens, right? It exists. But, like, I don't feel like I always have to be told every time it shows up in a movie that it's wrong. Oh, no. I generally prefer it even when they don't, like, take a side really they just showcase it and show things that could happen good or bad i think i do side with mike more so on this it's been a week since i've watched this now so i can't remember the dialogue exactly but i made a note about it while i was watching it there's something i've noticed from a lot of indie movies i've watched especially like when i was getting in the movies as a lot of indie movies where the characters will just be sitting around and chatting about something, and it's obvious that it's the directors speaking through those characters to you to make a point about some like political agenda or something that they believe strongly in, right? And it comes across that way. It doesn't come across natural. This movie does that a couple times with them trying to justify like the cops actions or them talking about the general public from their point of view especially when Gibson and Vaughn are talking with their captain and Vince Vaughn goes on a mini rant during that scene like I said I don't remember exactly what he was saying but that gave me strong vibes of okay this is the pretentious director getting his thoughts out 
here because he thinks he knows it all. It doesn't do it the whole time, but Vince Vaughn's character does it too much. Too much, I'd say. I felt that way the first time I watched it. I thought it was like, it felt kind of forced to me, you know, like, it doesn't feel natural sometimes, like the way they bring it up. But then also, like, I think like past to my past experiences, and I've heard people say these like exact same things, you know, and go on these weird rants about how, oh, the times aren't what they used to be. You know, you say one little joke and suddenly you're a racist and all that kind of stuff. I kind of think like that is something that this, these people would say. And then like even after Vince Vaughn leaves the room, I, the police comes like, but seriously, guys, like what is going on? Because you are kind of riding the line here that I am not comfortable with. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't think we're supposed to like these characters. I think that's kind of the point. Not at all. It's just to me, it kind of is like a fourth wall breaking moment almost for me. It's a very indie feeling thing that I was surprised was in here because they didn't really have that in Bone Tomahawk. But, I mean, I guess it makes sense. The guy feels very strongly about this, obviously, since he made a whole movie over the whole thing, so. And I think there's another, like, there's a couple times I think that I feel like, well, this is, feels weird to me, but it's also, convert, you know, I don't know. Like, it's very conflicting, I think, which is, I think it makes it kind of interesting a little bit, just because they're, like, such different views than what I actually hold myself you know, it's like weird. Like there's like when uh, Mel Gibson goes home and talks to his wife about their daughter getting bullied and stuff like that. And then there's another conversation that feels like, OK, like this sounds like just preaching a little bit. But I don't know. I, the, the fact that the characters are kind of at least Mel Gibson, I think Vince Vaughn's honestly a little more redeemable than Mel Gibson's character. But I think Mel Gibson is like he's what the police chief said. He's like got those strong barbs now. He can't see like the the compassion or the humanity anymore he's just like a wrecking ball that <laughs> he doesn't really care you know he just wants to get the job done and that's not a great thing for a cop to be it's definitely a fine line to ride when you're making your movie and i mean there's there's a lot of movies that don't get it and, and it's weird because this movie does do it right sometimes like you brought up uh, Mel Gibson and his wife discussing their daughter and her getting bullied because he's a police is he is he a captain? Just a detective. Like above a beat cop, but yeah, not like a sergeant or a captain. Okay. Yeah, I I couldn't remember. But yeah, like they they explore that, like the ramifications of what he's doing and how that affects his family because of how the public views him. Like that that was interesting. I liked that. And he didn't preach at you. So I I liked when he did stuff like that, but I didn't like when he'd have Vince Vaughn go on a rant about his political stances. Well, I don't know if that's what he's trying to do, though, is, like, filter his own stance through these characters. I don't know how this director feels about this stuff. It wouldn't surprise me if he felt that way, but, I mean, like I said, these characters aren't, like, great people anyway, so I feel, it would feel weird to me to, like, filter your views through them, I guess. You know, I am kind of with you, TV. That is, like, a rant or conversation I've definitely heard, like, you know in the workplace or elsewhere in the past. Like, I guess it, it felt weird coming from Vince Vaughn's character, but the dialogue itself is eerily similar to real-life dialogue. I think that's a good segue to argue over our preferences and dialogue. Like, we had this exact same discussion with Bone Tomahawk, but this is this guy's specialty. So here, here's the argument, I guess, is... How do you guys like this dialogue? Because this is like how normal people would usually talk to each other. 
but I don't want to listen to that. <laughs> you know, Th that's why I found mo a lot of Bone Tomahawk to be boring because it's just listening to these guys have a normal conversation and that's not interesting to me there's no tension there's no stakes it's just two people chatting away whereas if you look at something like the hateful eight and the dialogue quentin tarantino has for the characters they're basically having a shootout with just the dialogue there it's so riveting and keeps you on the edge of your seat and there's so much emotion in it the entire time like it's amazing to watch and it just these are like the two opposite ends of how you can do dialogue in a movie and i really think I lean more to towards the Quentin Tarantino style for sure, just because it has all that underlying tension and drama. Though I will admit it is better in this than it was in Bone Tomahawk, I think. You know, I'll jump in and jump out real quick. I uh, I just love dialogue on the whole. I do think you're right there. This is like a opposite, like from Hateful Eight and that Tarantino style. And I gotta say, I just really love both. I don't know if it's because it's kind of like theatrical, and I do so love the theater, or what it is, but I do feel like I'm in a minority for loving this sort of thing. Kind of like I said at the beginning, like Gosford Park, and I recognize the flaws in that many moviegoers, you know, both their general public and critics alike aren't often looking for it. I don't have a lot of defense for it, but <laughs> I sure do enjoy it. <laughs> Well, even in Gosford Park, a lot of the dialogue in there was it was it was cutthroat, like, and it was funny at how vicious all the characters were in that one too, you know. So even there, there's still some like underlying tension and drama and stuff playing out. Whereas for for the both of these movies, this director's made like a lot of the dialogue. It's it's just people talking, and there's not a lot of underlying tension or anything for you to latch on to it's just they're talking to be talking it feels like i'd actually disagree that i think it's they're just talking like normal people would talk i think this director does have his own like style and it's got this kind of like weird way with words that um it's different it kind of has almost a westerny flair to it just like especially with the way like a vince vaughn character talks a lot I don't know. There's something different about it that it doesn't feel necessarily natural, but I don't think that's like a bad thing either. I kind of like it, but just some of the word choices he uses are interesting to me. But yeah, I don't know. I, I like watching these characters interact. I think I, that's what I really like about this film is just like how slow it is at the beginning and then how it just ramps up to the violent end of this whole ordeal. I, I, I love how he builds up this movie. You know, I got to say... We've been talking about the dialogue and stuff here. I, like you guys have said, maybe it feels like conversations you'd hear at work or something like that. I don't know. With this, I kind of felt like the dialogue was almost, there was no point to any of it. Like, I do, these characters make me uncomfortable. I don't buy the reason Vince Vaughn is there. Sure, I can buy it more why Mel Gibson is there, his character, because he needs money to get out. But I don't know. It just kind of becomes unbelievable for me. And then they talk about stuff that I don't think ends up to coming to a good point at all. Most of the time when they're just sitting in the car, it was just like watching two uncomfortable characters try and like relate for two hours and 40 minutes over something that they shouldn't relate to, you know, because they're both law enforcement people. 
which their their whole thing is trying to justify why they're going to rob um, other people from money when they could be protecting people. Like when they obviously see that they're robbing a bank and they do nothing about it, it became very unbelievable for me at that point. I'm like, you know, I'm not buying this at all. Even with Vince Vaughn's character has some troubles with it. I'm like, no, there's no way. I think Mel Gibson, that's the whole point of his character is like he's so hardened. He doesn't care anymore. And Vince Vaughn is kind of like weirdly the Jiminy Cricket, I guess, but not like enough because it's too late for Mel Gibson. He's already gone too far. And, you know, Vince Vaughn is kind of just along for the ride. He's there because I think they're friends and he is regretting his decision after (laughs) after what happened there. I like your Jiminy Cricket analogy. That's a that's a good, good way to look at him. I can definitely see how this movie is very polarizing over things like dialogue. I mean, if you go look at the IMDb, like, user reviews, it's all one stars. I'm I'm not putting any stake in IMDb reviews at all here, but, it, like, it's all one stars. <laughs> like, if you can scroll for, like, an hour, it's all one stars. I'm just saying, like, th- this is very polarizing, and it's just like mostly dialogue until like the end of it. And then you get guys who shoot at each other like once every five minutes. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of what I like about it. I don't know. It's just, I'm with you TV. It's what I like about it. (laughs) Getting it to know these characters, even if I don't like them, I, it's weird because I kind of do, you know, I don't agree with them. They do grow on me. I would say like in the movie, like I can't justify what they're doing, of course, but, you know, there's a lot of movies like that where you're like, you know, I don't really like this movie, but it's, like, full of just horrible people. I just like seeing these guys interact, like, it, it lets you get to know the characters a little bit and how they interact, you know? You can kind of tell that they are friends and stuff, like, with the sandwich eating scene and that kind of thing. It's just, like, kind of funny to see their dynamic and stuff. Yeah, but they could... <sighs> It could be more interesting, too, I think, you know? Yeah, it could feel like they have a point to it, which, like, obviously, we we disagree on this here. I feel like there's no point to half their dialogue in this movie, and I feel like it should be cut by an hour. And, like, the studio was even like, dude, you gotta cut this movie down, and the director's like, no, I'm not cutting it. And I think the studio was actually right here, but I can see how you... You like it too, you know, but for me, I don't feel like there was any point to most of the dialogue in this. The only like running gag I thought was pretty good was the Mel Gibson talking about like the percentage of chance of things happening. And then Vince Vaughn's like, do not give me a percentage here. (laughs) Or I was like, it's 50-50. He's like, you know, 50-50 isn't helpful in a yes or no situation. (laughs) Like (laughs) (laughs) That was a pretty funny running gag they brought up. A bunch. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it, though. Yeah, it's a very weird style, and I, I don't know why it works so well for me, necessarily, because it is just like, yeah, them hanging out for a long time. But all of his movies are like this, like Bone Tomahawk, uh, Brawl and Cell Block 99. All of them have this, like, really long buildup, and then at the end, they have some pretty graphic violence. And I don't know, something about it, it just clicks for me. I really, really, really like it. I'll say it's a bold style, that's for sure, but it's hard for me to watch something like this where I agree with Mike. It just a lot of it's just they're talking to be talking, I feel like. And like I mean, you can do that. There's other there's other shows that do that, like Seinfeld, the show about nothing. 
is loved by so many people, but even that they take the comedy route with it to give it something else. It's like it it needs some more stuff in there besides people just talking. It's like you can do that at work. Yeah, I feel like with this guy's movies, either you watch one and you like it and you're going to like all of his movies, or you watch one and you're like, eh, and you're probably not going to like any of his movies. That's what it comes down to, yeah. You know, I think you guys are definitely valid in your complaints, and I think you're even right on a lot of it. But yeah, it does just kind of come down to that. Either it is or it isn't. It's 50-50, right? But not really. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing about this one for me is like with with Moan Tomahawk, that's more of a like a fantasy Western setting. This one is very like based in reality, real world stuff. And for me, it was incredibly uncomfortable to watch. And I did not like that at all on top of everything else. You know, it just kind of added on more to things I did not like about this is I don't want to be presented with this. I don't want to be challenged with this in my media. And that that's just the way I like to consume media is like as an escapism. Sometimes I do like to be challenged with this kind of stuff, but I will like seek it out. <laughs> you know, I did not realize, I did not realize how this one was going to be because this has been on my watch list for a long time since it came out. I didn't realize it was going to be like this uncomfortable for me to watch. It's definitely, he did that on purpose, for sure. I mean, it's just too convenient. And what they talk about, it's for sure he did it because he wanted to say something about it, which is fine, I guess. But I do think there's that, like I mentioned earlier, I do think there is a way you can go about it that's the right way compared to doing it the wrong way. And just resort in the shouting your ideas at the people. And I, I don't feel like he shouted his ideas at me. I feel like, there, like you said, there's a couple of the rant scenes where it kind of comes out. But I feel like they were just present there. And that just made me uncomfortable, I feel like. And, like, they, they present the issues. Like, you, ha- you have the cops who are resorting to, like, basically crime to make money because they're saying they don't make enough anyways and they've been suspended for use of excessive force but then you also see like a guy who just got out of prison and he's resorting to crime as well to save his family you know like you you have the 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 both sides there but it's like it's for me it was presented in a very uncomfortable way especially towards the end Along those lines, one of my gripes is um, you get the guy who was just out of prison and he's doing this crime to, like, provide for his family. I don't feel like we got enough time with him and his viewpoints compared to Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn. And I feel like that would have propped up the movie some. Been uncomfortable still, yes, but I feel like that would have helped balance it out some i i agree like cut some of mel gibson and vince vaughn stuff and give and give tory kittles more to do in this because i loved his character in this i he was my favorite out of the entire cast i thought he had the best exploration of his situation and problem he had some of the best dialogue in this guy's style that actually worked for the most part, I thought. 
And he is just more interesting, I think, than Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn were. Yeah, I agree. His camaraderie with his buddy was so much better than the camaraderie between Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn. Granted, I mean, Mel Gibson's character is kind of, you know, the the, the grumpy guy anyway, so he's probably not going to be very expressive. I just didn't feel camaraderie between there. You can tell that they're both there because they need money. Yeah, I wouldn't mind more with that guy. Yeah, I do think it would have been interesting. The thing I do like about it, though, I guess, is what makes that situation so scary with his character, like the the variables, the unknowns, with these crazy mass dudes who are like just just looking for any excuse to kill people. Like knowing so little about that. And then, you know, he kind of just throws you into their perspective, like on the way back from the heist. Oh, man, I, that makes it so much scarier for me, I think, too, just because it's like they're in over their heads, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, they're definitely <laughs> did not expect this to happen. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think we could have used more, though. I would agree with that. It would have been nice. That van ride was extremely intense, I thought. It was, yeah. That was probably the best part, I think. Yeah, that was the best part of the movie, I thought, as well, was when they just left the bank, and you know that they're just waiting to die, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. <laughs> because once they get to where they're going, they know they're both dead. But before we move on, since we're talking about the tension stuff in here, that one of the last scenes when um Gibson and Kittle's characters both get the both get their hidden guns at the end when they're going to hide the car. As soon as I saw them both get their guns, like until they have their little shootout. That was so intense. I was loving it. I was like, this is great. This is like Hitchcock would be proud of that. Cause that's like, that's a perfect example of that style of building tension. I wish he would have done stuff like that throughout the rest of the movie too. Cause that was so good. I think that he does, but the gun guys, those are literally like the bomb under the table right there. Like you see what they're capable of. They're literally just killing random people for like a cash register drawer or like whatever this guy has in his wallet. Oh, geez. It's brutal, man. Those guys are so scary. Jeez Louise. I agree. Those dudes are scary, but also part of the reason I don't buy some of this stuff is like, they were obviously capable of their stuff on their own. Why did they even hire these two random guys? That's a good point. I'd never thought of that. <laughs> Gotta have someone to sit in the van. Just have one of them. Clearly one guy was able to go in there and hold everybody down with a machine gun while the other one goes in the back and gets all the money. I mean, I don't know if the glove guys were like the masterminds. I think the guy without the mask was the mastermind. Because that one glove guy just went in and shot up a gas station, like, without any kind of, like, safety precautions. You definitely need to keep an eye on those two, I would say. Yeah, definitely. It just seemed, like, unnecessary to hire two random guys when they were, like, so in charge of everything else. Like, why? They get two guys to guard the van, and then they could just kill them when they're done. Like, I mean, it's not, they're not going to lose anything for hiring them either. Their whole plan was definitely just to, like, dump them after they were done with them anyways. Yeah, exactly. But, at, I don't know, towards the end of it, I was kind of like, this just seems kind of weird, and it, I'm not buying it completely. Because those two, the two muscle characters, what they call them, the muscle, um, they're there to make a point for this director. And, I, like, I get that, and it seems a little too forced for me there, considering how in charge they are of everything else. The Not the muscle guys, but the bank robbers. 
Well, I think, too, part of it is he wanted to have that. Well, he needed the contrast between the detectives. Yeah. And uh, the people who are, um, you know, doing this because they have to resort to crime to provide for their families. I do think they are kind of like a little ghost of Christmas future, you know? The two masked guys could be what Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson might become if they continue on this crime route. That's, that's a good point, too. I mean, they kind of do turn into that at the end of the movie, too. They do slap some masks on and play pretend, and yeah. They're no different, honestly, yeah. I mean, they don't go around murdering people, but, like, it's just such a fine line, you know? Once you're... They're robbing the robbers, but the robbers robbed from somebody else. So, you know, it's not really any different. And yeah, we see that a couple of these people are like, actually, you know, they need the money to help their families, like, just like the cops do. I just, I really like those parallels that they draw between them. And I think it makes it really interesting. And they, they let all the, or those people die at the bank too, over that money. So they essentially killed those people. Yeah, they could have stopped it. Yeah, which is. Some parallels, they're not so different. I like what he's trying to do in this, and I think it works for the most part. Like, Mike brought up some really good points I hadn't thought about, but you gotta get through all that dialogue to get to it. (laughs) I am glad, though, that, like, he has these politics in there, but he does, like, show you two sides of it. And it is good that that is in there. Well, and even, too, like, Obviously, you're not supposed to root for anybody in this. Arguably, you're supposed to root for Tori Kittle's character. But um, everybody else, you're not supposed to. And there's an art to making that work, though, too, right? Like, look at the crime drama, which <laughs> this movie falls into. Look at look at those. Like, let's... Look at the top tier one, The Godfather. Like, everybody loves that movie for the most part, and they love the characters in it. Yeah, they're bad guys, but you you get where they're coming from, and you can empathize and sympathize with that. And I think a lot of that is how the characters interact with each other and how the dialogue is to get that across. Whereas in this one... You can empathize with, like, Mel Gibson and what he's going through, but, like, with his character interactions and everything, you don't, you you don't buy it, really. A lot of gangster movies do a good job of hitting that, and I don't think this one did it for uh, Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn very well. I think it did for me, but, I mean, I just, I find them interesting, maybe not likable, but I... I like the dynamics they have and the, the stances and to see like where their characters are going to go is what I find interesting about it. And I mean, Mel Gibson's performance is pretty good. And I think he's a likable guy with his charisma, maybe not in like real life or whatever, but <laughs> his performance is good enough to like get me attached to them. Even if I don't necessarily like them, I guess is the thing. And I, I really do. I think I like Vince Vaughn's character, actually. I do kind of like him, even if he doesn't agree with a lot of the stuff I probably agree with. He's definitely the one I feel pretty sympathetic for. Him and uh, Henry, that guy, the what's his name, the actor? Tori Kittles. Yeah, those two I, I actually did like, I think. Yeah, I, I like Tori's character a lot. I think Vince Vaughn's character was pretty weak, though. I will I will get it out there. I'm not a Vince Vaughn fan at all. Like, <laughs> I don't really care for any of his movies that he's in or anything. 
I think he does fine here, but I don't think his character was very good either. Like the focus was definitely put on Mel Gibson's character and Vince Vaughn's just along for the ride, essentially. Like he's got that dynamic with his his girlfriend, but he's obviously not ready for that. And they I mean, they kind of touch on it a little bit, but not really. There's enough there, I thought. Like it, it's more in there to be a bummer than anything else. <laughs> Seems like some things are here just to be a bummer. Like that very uncomfortable mother and baby scene. <laughs> I hinted at it earlier. I was like, there's one part in this that could have definitely been cut out, and it's the baby mama scene. Yeah, I gotta say, I loved everything else but that scene. I love dialogue and stuff, but that. That's the uncomfortable that scares me that I don't like. <laughs> that scene is only in this movie to make you feel bad. And it serves no other purpose for being in this film. It just pads the runtime and is there to be a bummer. And I don't like it. I don't, did not like it and I did not appreciate it. <laughs> I, I gotta say, too, I think that actress did a pretty bad job. What? How dare you? Performance, I think, is good. I really like her, but yeah, subplot, weird. Why is that there? I think everybody did good, a good job acting in this. And yeah, that that whole sequence, yeet it, yeet it. It's terrible. It doesn't need to be in here. It's awful. Like, yeah, it serves no purpose except to make you feel bad, and I'm not okay with that, especially in this movie. But I do think she did a pretty good job. She pulls off being mentally unstable extremely well. <laughs> I don't understand. It seems so strange. Like, cause at first I was like, is this woman like part of their heist? Like, is she going to help them get into like the vault or something? But no. She should have been the one who got kidnapped. I like, why did he not make her the one who was kidnapped? I don't understand his choice there. Like, why set up this character and then kill her and then have him kidnap somebody else? Like, I assume part of it is also... Like, why she would try and stop a guy from sending an email to the police. Because obviously her movement was going to turn out just as bad as, like, him hitting the button to send. I mean, well, that scene didn't even really need... It could have That scene could have been changed. Like, if he's all about showing all these different dynamics and the relationships between these characters here, why wasn't she the one who was kidnapped? And we got some random girl who was kidnapped and then shot Vince Vaughn. Like, I was kind of like, this is dumb. Yeah, that was the most unbelievable part. Yeah, when that girl started crawling out of the truck, I'm like, obviously that girl has a gun. <laughs> like, why are you not treating this like you have a gun? You're detectives here. Well, it sounded like she killed those guys. That They, they did play it off like it was, you know, she had a struggle and then she comes crawling out with the gun because they hear three gunshots and then she comes crawling out. Sounds like she managed to get him. Sounds like it, but there's no proof. And I'm like, these are supposed to be cops who use excessive force, okay? That's what they set them up as, especially Mel Gibson. Like, how did they fall for that? That That's just another thing I don't buy. Well, that was the thing, right? Yeah, Vince Vaughn, like, is trying to be a good cop, but Mel Gibson's a bad influence on him. So it's like his last hurrah of being a good cop, but Mel Gibson gets the chance to be like, well, look what being good does for you. Yeah, so, like, I get it, but it just for me watching, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, when she shot Vince Vaughn, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. This, obviously, this is what was happening here. 
I don't know if it's that obvious. I, I, I don't know if I agree with that. I kind of agree with Mike. I kind of saw that coming, and I do think is a little unbelievable, especially as much as I hate to say it, especially since they tee these guys up as the excessive force users, right? I do, I do think Mike makes a good point about that. <laughs> Obviously, they're not going to let this woman see them and get away with it because they are cops breaking the law at this point. So you're saying they should go, like, all the way here, like she might be a hostage, but we should offer, becoming the ghost of Christmas future in the van. I'm just saying that it was very unbelievable on the uh, Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn side to let this happen, and obviously she's going to come up there and shoot him, maybe. For me, I was like, okay, seriously? But this was after multiple times I'd been like, okay, seriously, at this movie? It seems weird. It's just the random character. It should have been the one, the mom. Okay, like they set her up. Like they could have done another interesting character dynamic tie in there, but that's just wasted. And I feel like Vince Vaughn's character had a very cheap and like not very well done death. I think part of the point of it is how unceremonious and lame it is. Like, you know, there's no glorious like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid shootout. It's something stupid and almost unbelievable that ends up killing him. I have read reviews that this director likes to show. He just, like, shows violence, and he doesn't, like, glorify it or anything. And I don't know. I haven't seen um, Bone Tomahawk since I watched it that one time. I don't plan to watch it again. I haven't watched his Cell Block movie. But in this one, like, there is violence, and people get shot, and there's not really any, like, thing after that. They don't, like... Stay on it. Yeah, they, like, cut away right after, you know, they don't really linger. Yeah, like, some dude tries to pop out of the van and gets shot in the head, and that that's that, you know? Except, I guess, um, what was the guy's name? Biscuit or something? He got shot up. That was pretty crazy. That disembowelment scene was pretty gnarly. Hoy. I wouldn't say that, like, glorifies violence, but it was pretty, like, uh, you know? It kind of felt a little Tarantino-y to me. Like, I think you're right that Reservoir Dogs is similar, and there is some violence just shown with no reaction, but there's also some pretty excessive blood spread throughout that movie. <laughs> well, Tarantino's whole thing is violence is fun to watch because this is fake. It's not real. And that's and because it, it's a movie. That's his whole thing. And that's, I mean, he's a master at doing that. Obviously, Zoller is the complete opposite. That scene just felt like out of place to me because, yeah, he is the opposite, but that felt very Tarantino-y. I mean, he has that scene in Bone Tomahawk where they split the naked guy in half and rip him apart. I even argued back then that that wasn't as impactful as it could have been because of how bad or how much. I won't say it's, well, I don't know. I have an issue calling it bad dialogue because it's so good at capturing what like a normal conversation would be like, but. Uh, I don't know. It's like a peanut butter jelly sandwich where you just eat the bread. Yeah, and th that's where it comes down to. If if you like this style, I mean, you're going to like this guy's movies because it sounds like for TV and Fox, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys got your peanut butter jelly sandwich all the way, you know? You know, I'm really glad we were able to bring this whole review back around to sandwiches again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's Dad. screenwriting 101 right there. This one's more subjective to how you like 
do you like your dialogue with the Tarantino style, all spiced up and not realistic, or do you like your realistic dialogue, like when you go to work and talk to your coworker for your movie? Well, yeah, I don't know. I I don't feel like it's like that either to me, though. It feels very like rote. I guess is what that feels like to me. Kind of like theater, like theatrical yeah. kind of nonsense. It doesn't feel natural. I would say I don't think that's the case, but. It's something about it that's a little weird, I think, which every time I watch one of his movies, it takes me about like 10 minutes to like get in the groove with his dialogue because it always kind of sounds a little clunky to me at first. But then like, yeah, as the movie goes, you just like suddenly it's like I'm like immersed. It's like when I read like a book that's kind of written a little differently than I'm used to. And then it's like, I don't know if I like this. But then like after I've read a couple chapters, I'm like, I, my brain is like suddenly adjusted to it. And I totally I can like I'm like fluent in this weird new way of speaking or reading but that's just me i mean yeah <laughs> we can argue we've argued it like three times already so it's like yeah. <laughs> well that's the big thing in this one it's all but well in all his movies i guess i was curious to see if this would be different in that aspect i was doubtful when i saw the runtime but i do think the dialogue's better in this than in bone tomahawk this one it's more i don't know interesting to listen to i guess <laughs> if i have to listen to two co-workers chatting about nothing <laughs> i'd rather take it in this one i guess well do we want to talk about the music at all i say was there like a score in this at all that was my question i don't think there's much of a score but i think there is you know there's like those songs they listen to in the car and stuff so that's about it oh there's that one song they keep playing over and over right yeah, it's called a Shotgun Safari. Yeah. Shotgun Safari. Oh, yeah, the end credits or whatever. That's that video game that they play, too. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Isn't there an interesting, like, uh, parallel? You know, they're playing that game where they're, like, hunting lions. And then uh, Mel Gibson is like, honey, we aren't you, do you want to come watch the Lion Cub show with me? And they're, like, watching stuff about lions, too. They're, like, the same. Ooh. Ooh. Who doesn't like lions? I I think that Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn are the lions, and then he ends up hunt, hunting, not really, but kind of at the end there. There's something there I think that's interesting, yeah. I did like how it ended, though, with Tori Kittles taking care of Mel Gibson's family after he shoots them. I thought that was nice. Partly because I I like Tori Kittle's character the best and actually wanted him to succeed so he could get his family out of their dumpy situation. Yeah, all in all, a happy ending. Like, who would have expected? Yeah, he actually kept his word and was smart. Like, he sent them the gold bars like a year later or whatever when it was safe, too. So that was, that was nice. I was just waiting for Zoller the come into my house and kick me in the nuts and be like, that's for enjoying this ending. What? <laughs> Dang. This is supposed to be a bummer, don't you know? What a vivid image. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm joking, of course, but back on the music, did Bone Tomahawk have any music in it either? Not really. There's like a couple things, but I rewatched it like a month ago, but very bare bones. It works, though, with his style of being, like, realistic, I guess you could say. 
with that, like the dialogue works and how slow everything goes. It kind of works, which is interesting to say, I think, but. I think so too. It feels a little natural, I guess, you know, yeah. He's definitely mastered his style that he likes, for sure. <laughs> like, Bone Tomahawk, as much as I didn't enjoy it, is a pretty solid, like, first outing, I'd say. But he's got it. It is pretty solid for his style, too. Like, he knew exactly what he wanted to do. And I'll give him props for that. Yeah, I think this is exactly what he wanted. And I think, yeah, there's something to say at least about that, you know. He's sticking to his vision. Good for him. It's exactly what he wanted because the studio tried to tell him to do stuff. He's like, no, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, I think I heard in an interview. Was it an interview? I listened to a podcast where they were talking to him. I think this is where he said it was like, yeah, that's like super important to him. Like he always wants to make sure he has final cut or he's not going to do it. Like the script is like his like Bible and like he follows it exactly like um, and he doesn't want to change it at all because he thinks like the writing process is the most purest form of outputting is like creativity or something like that and he put it i was like oh that's kind of interesting but and so like i don't want to deviate from it at all because that's like the purest form and i want to get as close to it as i can well we ready for some overall presentation then i'm ready yep all right so we got a scale we use to rate these movies it goes from burn it pass watch it or buy it in that order we all give a little spiel about what we think and then we try to average it out at the end so who knows where we're going to land on this. I'm curious, actually, about this one. But before we get started, you know, you know, we usually like to kind of just pick randomly around here, um, kind of to see who goes first. But uh, this week, you know, I was going to pick somebody, but there's a little, bit, a little bit of outrage in the fan base lately, Mike. Um, I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's a video that kind of surfaced up. Um, <laughs> Interesting. You're making him sweat. <laughs> You were going first in like our last recording for the uh, overall presentations, and man, people were like up in an uproar. They were loving it, actually. They wanted more and more of this. So let's give the fans what they want, I think, and <laughs> let's let let's let Mike go first this time. That's a good idea. I thought this was gonna go the other way for a second. <laughs> like there's an uproar. We don't want Mike first anymore. I was like, finally, finally, thank you, fans. <laughs> The fans have spoken. Um, I guess they have, apparently, <laughs> with the video. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah, don't worry about that. Definitely got good sources on all this. <laughs> I want to see it. But, uh, you know, I think I've realized that this guy's uh, movies just aren't for me. Like, his style, the way he writes them, the way he, um, he films them. Like, they are good movies for some people but they're not for me i was very uncomfortable watching this movie uh, because of you know just the nature of stuff that it covers um and i like to have my like media more as an escapism and i don't want to have to think about it while i'm trying to escape from stuff but that's okay it it's a challenging movie but for me i didn't buy a lot of this stuff and I hate to give this one a burn it because it is a good movie for some people. But for me, I never want to watch this movie ever again. So for me personally, I've got to burn this one. Ooh, he drug it across concrete. He did. We'll be hauling this one out in a body bag. Man. But just kidding. Actually, man, I... <laughs> 
I really loved this movie. I'm going to roll in here now with my, what is that, the defibrillizer thing? Defibrillator? <laughs> defibrillator. Yeah, we're scientists on this show. You know, we all have educations. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But no, seriously, I really did love this movie. I, I, I recognize the arguments against the dialogue. Somehow it still enthralls me. You know, I, I was pretty daunted by the runtime on this. It's been pretty busy at work lately, and I was like, great, I'm going to sit here and watch like three hours of cops just talking in a car on a stakeout. And then it was great. I don't know if it's because I love Vince Vaughn so much, or if it's the way it was written. I don't know. Something just really pulls me in. I uh, I didn't wind up being as uncomfortable as I thought I would. I felt like I wasn't being preached at. You know, there's a lot of casual racism and other politically incorrect things running around in this movie but they just you know they exist they happen and they're disgusting but i didn't feel like he was you know yeah preaching at me about the problem there and it was almost kind of humanizing breath of fresh air something a little different i'm gonna give this one a buy it i think i could see myself like throwing this on while i work or something this would be like a really i think easy background movie for me in the future going forward I really do like this director's style, and I, I I can understand, yeah, it's a little bit take it or leave it with this guy. Um, there is some weird stuff in here, and I do think sometimes it doesn't necessarily work the way maybe the director wants it to work, but for the most part, I think it's pretty good. Just like the slowness of it. I think that, I don't know why, I just like how slow and methodical it is as it slowly like ramps up to this like super bloody climax and it's like incredibly violent and crazy but i don't know that's how a lot of his movies are and it always kind of just like pulls me in and maybe yeah it's the dialogue i don't know all the characters are interesting there's some cool parallels between uh, the cops and the robbers that i really like the acting's all solid there's a couple parts that are a little excessive i think but for the most part Super solid movie. Um, not my favorite of his. I think my favorite is Cell Block 99. But this is pretty good, too. So I think I'm going to give it a buy it as well. Despite its flaws, like, yeah. I think it's definitely worth checking out if you're into this kind of thing. So Zoller definitely has a style that he's perfected. I've, I got pretty much the same criticisms for this that I had for Bone Tomahawk, right? I'm not a big fan of that dialogue. It, and that's most of the movie, unfortunately. I do think it's better in this than it was in Bone Tomahawk. It's just so boring most of the time. Like, there's no no stakes or tension or anything, really, for most of it. You could cut most of that and get to all his other ideas, which I think are pretty good for the most part. Mike brought up some good logical flaws in this that do take away from it, but the overall idea is pretty good, and I like that. I like having that dichotomy between the criminals and the cops who are criminals at this point, essentially, because of what they're doing and what they didn't do in this movie. It, it, it's a neat idea, and I really did like Tori Kittle's character quite a bit. It's just that dialogue, man. It's ugh, I. <laughs> it's hard to get through, especially when the movie's this long. A lot of the stuff in here is just there to make you feel bad, too, which 
yeah, you walk a fine line when you're making a bummer movie that actually make it work and make the audience actually like it and care about your characters too. I don't think this one does a great job with that. I didn't like Vince Vaughn's character. I think he's pretty poor in most of this film. Gibson and Kittle's characters are the best for sure, but I don't think they do a good job of making you like Mel Gibson's character. That way you empathize with him more. Oh, it's just, yeah. Eh, it's going to be a pass for me. I don't, I don't think it's a burn it. I didn't have the reaction Mike did about being uncomfortable because of the subject matter, but that might be something you don't like as a, if you're listening to this, so do be aware of that. I'm not upset that I watched it. I'm glad I gave it a chance, but, I mean, it was more of the same, and that's not for me. So I guess that's a, a watch it? I guess? That's a tricky one. Enter at your own risk, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe start with, like, Bone Tomahawk first, I think, and then go into this. I don't know. Because it's a similar style, but maybe it doesn't approach the same uncomfortable topics that this one does. That's not a bad idea. Did you see Bone Tomahawk, Fox? Yeah, I I gotta say, I really don't remember the dialogue all that well, but I remember it all felt very grounded compared to what I was expecting with what little I knew about it. Which did you guys like better, this or Bone Tomahawk? I gotta go with this. You know, there's a lot of things about Bone Tomahawk that I really wanted to like before, and I remember at least enjoying it, but wanting more on the whole from it. I actually like Bone Tomahawk better, I think. I watched it again, I don't know, about, it was like three weeks ago, maybe about a month ago, because I was excited about watching Drag Across Concrete. Um, and I, I liked it a lot better the second time I watched it. And I don't know, I think that one does a better job of ma not making anything necessarily, I don't know, it's interesting. It doesn't like have the weird political stuff in there either way. You know what I mean? Like it's not, <laughs> and I think it's better for it. And I just, I don't know. And I think the cast I like a lot, too. Like, Kurt Russell, the old deputy guy. They're very similar movies, but I just kind of, I don't know, Bone Tomahawk's better. I want to like this guy's movies, but I, I just can't. It's not for me. You might give Cell, Brawl on Cell Block 99 a chance. I don't know. It's... Third time's a charm, right? Yeah, you might like... I don't... You might not, but I really liked it. It's not as grounded as these two are i would say it's a little more like embraces kind of the over the top feel i felt like almost b-movie-esque not totally b-movie you know it doesn't go full b-movie but there's some like pretty like crazy stuff in that movie that you're just like oh wow okay i you know i would give it a chance i think maybe that would be the one to change my mind <laughs> you know yeah it's also like three hours long, too, so... Eh, hadn't stopped me yet. <laughs> yeah. I think I liked Bone Tomahawk better, too, out of these two. If I had to pick one to watch again, I think I'd watch Bone Tomahawk. Mike? I think that's where I'm at, too. But, I mean, preferably I would watch neither of these <laughs> movies again. <laughs> Dang. All right, so we're moving on to our next big series, um... You know, I think this one's uh, going to be... Um, the subversion even... of your expectations? Oh, perhaps, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a little... Uh... 
God dang it, I'm trying to think of a blood pun, but I can't think of it. We're doing vampires, all right? <laughs> That's what we're doing. <laughs> I just, nothing was coming. Usually when I open my mouth and I start to like, you know, just like kind of let it roll out, something happens, but this time, no, nothing. So that's what we're doing. And I think, Dan, you've got the first pick already for us. I do. I'm, I, I will say, I do hope this category doesn't suck. Ah, <laughs> that's good. You know, <laughs> a while back for Halloween, I watched a movie and it was like nothing I've ever experienced before. And ever since then, I've been talking it up to all our co-hosts here because I want to talk about it. So <laughs> that movie is Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to talk about this, too. This has been on my list. Three out of the four of us. Have already watched it. (laughs) Well, then I guess I'm in for a treat, I suppose. (laughs) Looks like we got some fresh blood, fresh meat in here. There you go. There it is. I'm I'm excited. This is gonna be this is gonna be interesting. I can share my my visceral reaction to the film. Oh boy. (laughs) I don't know if I want to know your visceral reaction. (laughs) I'll 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 tell him what I told. Terry about and Mike about the movie when I finished watching it the first time. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to rewatch it. Honestly, I rewatched. I watched it like a month or so ago. I think I watched it in October as well. Did I? I don't know. But I know when Dan started talking about, it, I was very intrigued. So, <laughs> but in the meantime, if any of you listeners out there have any uh, questions for us, any thoughts, any opinions you want to send our way, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Run the Real. Or you can email us at runtherealpodcast.gmail.com. I want to know what you think about Dried Cross Concrete. Yeah. Did you like it? Did you not like it? It's very divisive, it seems, so. I want to know, too. Let me know what you thought. We need to know. So, yeah. Hit us up. Yeah, be sure to tune in next week. We're getting into some vampire territory. Where will it take us after Bram Stoker? Who knows? Find out. That's true. I've got some ideas but of what people might pick, but I ain't, I ain't telling. <laughs> what? You don't know me. I'll tell you after they've picked if I was right. All right. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening to us tonight. We really appreciate it. This is Run the Real, signing off. I got, I'm like double rethinking my decision here, Dan. I feel like maybe you, you might know what I'm going to pick. <laughs> I'm in your mind like Dracul.